What's up, what's up? John Deloney here with the Dr. John Deloney Show, where we talk about your life, your challenges, the stuff going on in the world around you, the stuff going on in your heart, the stuff going on in your mirror. We talk about everything on the show, right? We take your live calls. We take your uh, emails, your Instagram. Follow me, at John Deloney. Um, I've never said that before on my own show. It just feels weird. But we're in the world of the internets, kids, and so it's time. Follow me, at John Deloney. So today is a special interview episode of the Dr. John Deloney Show. One of my best buddies here at Ramsey Solutions is my good friend, Rachel Cruz. She is super fancy, super famous. She's Dave Ramsey's daughter, and she recently wrote a book. And so this was on my list, my 2020 list. It's called Know Yourself, Know Your Money. Uh, Most of these interviews, when you see somebody who just wrote a new book, is they have these points, and they just go down the points, and then the interviewer's like, oh, wow, no way. And the interviewer's never read the book, and the interviewee acts surprised at the questions coming like, oh, I didn't think you were going to ask that, and then they just make it up, right? This interview is super not that. This is me chatting with my friend. We talk about this book, but we talk about the stories behind the stories in this book, because I want to know what's it like growing up thinking about wrestling with money and you are your dad is the public voice about money in America, right? What's it like getting married under a microscope? What's it like having these tendencies, having these things that you just default to that are kind of embarrassing, right? So we get into it. This episode is just going to pick up right in the middle of a conversation between two good friends. Um, our families are friends. She's awesome. I'm mediumly awesome, so I hope you enjoy the interview with my good friend, Rachel Cruz. Here we go. Okay, so every one of these interviews, you go through a series of, and for those of you who don't know, this is Insider Baseball, but um, when you go, when you've got a book out and you go through like the points and the, like, here's the things you want to make sure everybody gets from this, okay? Sure. So big tell for this show is just like 11 listeners max right and a couple of them my mom has different radios on at the same time so it boosts (laughs) the thing yeah there's only a few people on on this show so for those of you who don't know i am really picky about what goes into my head and i read a lot and so this book is on my 2020 list as books that are real good and books that i went through and thought that's not something I'd put together in that way. And I'm pretty snobby about the books I read. And I, I remember texting Rachel and said, this one's actually really good. And You read like a super early copy before yeah, 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 it even yeah. like went out. No, it's, yes. it's, it's, it's real good. Because I wanted your input it's too. It's on my like, hey, this is a really good book list. Thank you. And so um, I just thought, man, instead of talking about this book and like snapping a picture on Instagram and being like, dude, bro, read this. Like, like why not have you here, right? This is so great that you're here. And I appreciate me and the 14 listeners are so happy We're to so have happy, you here. so yeah, happy, so yeah. happy to partake. So part of this thing is we get on this, this list of things. And I told you before, I'm not, I came up with my own questions. Because we're going to get behind the scenes. So that's what you're saying, though, is like you get these talking points. And so it's this, I've had the same interview Close to probably 300 times. That's right. So I'm, I'm so dialed in. And so now the we're fact we're going off script, yes. I'm prepared. Okay, you get 30 seconds to do your on script pitch. Tell us about this book, and then we're getting way off into the woods. Oh, like I can really talk about it. Yep. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So for 10 years now, almost a decade, over a decade now, 
I have been talking about the how-to of money, right? So how to budget, how to get out of debt, how to invest, how to refinance, how to save, how to give, how, how, how. But if personal finance is 80% behavior and only 20% head knowledge, the how-to is kind of a small part of it. You actually have to do it and change your behaviors with money. And so... You know, all of this was in my head also because I was kind of on this journey myself probably four years ago. I remember taking the Enneagram. I read the book, The Birth Order Book, because I'm a middle child. Uh, Witchcraft, voodoo, continue. Yes. (laughs) You really think so? Oh, my gosh. All of that. Come on. Oh, I'm into all of it and counseling, all of it. But I was having all these, like, self-awareness moments. You just went to witchcraft, voodoo, and science. All in the same thing. Science is almost voodoo sometimes, right? You think... I'm just kidding. The birth or- no, no, all of this stuff. So anyways, for myself and my journey, I was realizing <laughs> a lot about myself. And I remember thinking, okay, not that I've arrived by any means, but I do feel like I was a better wife and mom and friend because I was just way more in touch with understanding how I function and why I do the things I do. Yeah. So then I thought, well, how does this apply to our money? Because right. I don't talk about that. I talk about how to budget and how to get out of debt. <gasps> and it like sent me in this black hole, John. So... Out came the book where I was like, this is it. But but understanding why you handle money the way you do is so key because I think a lot of life problems masquerade themselves as money problems. Mm-hmm. So it's not really budgeting problems. It's not really a problem that you and your spouse can't do a budget together or you overspend or you're deeply in debt. There's a lot of other stuff going on. And so getting to those root issues was really important. So it's everything from your childhood, your fears, your personality, your tendencies, your dreams, all of it. And that's what makes up the book, why we do the things we do with money. Walk me through, you. I love that analogy. Walk me through your, got a black hole here. And I'm thinking this as an author, because the, 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 the cheater part of an author is I'm going to write something for somebody else. And this book came yeah. the other way, right? This Very is like, so. whoa, yeah. I'm looking in the mirror and this is scary. Yes. So you're standing on the precipice of this black hole and you have something unique is you've got like a, a public figure family that is all about money. Mm-hmm. And then you got your own money stuff. And then you find yourself five, 10 years married in, which so you're bringing somebody else's money stuff all in the same place. And you're standing over this precipice and you're like, this is going to, we're going we're ready to go down a rabbit hole. Walk me through that. Like as I'm entering it, what I'm seeing, what I'm discovering. Well, I think money is so much more emotional than I ever gave it credit for. Okay. Like I, again, the principles and everything we teach are vital. Like you have to have those. Yeah, you have to have those. But I was starting to ask myself questions like, okay, Rachel, if nobody sees this purchase, do you you still want it? Why am I even buying this? Or Rachel, are you buying this to feel good? Yeah. Are you stressed? Are you bored? Um, I mean, it was that, it was those kind of questions I'd never really asked myself because I'm like, because in my head, if it's in the budget, I'm just going to get it, right? I can get it and it's fine. Winston, I agreed Ah, on it and all that. But now I'm sorry. So then it's like this whole new realm. And we were even talking in a meeting the other day. Two weeks ago, I came home from work because I have this like loft box is what it's called. So it's a subscription to Ann Taylor Loft. Mm -hmm, You're welcome. And you get new shirts like every week that you send back. You just wear once and send back. So the show that I do because it's on video. Yeah, because it's like a subscription. So the fact that I'm on video so much, I'm like, I don't need all these new clothes, but I do have new looks and all that. So long story short. They sell the items really inexpensively if you choose to keep them. So some of the items I do keep. So okay. I brought home like four items last week and I'm walking through the kitchen with you know clothes and I see Winston and I pass him in the kitchen and I just made it the story in my head automatically. 
that he's he's judging me. He's way more low maintenance than I am, uh, and I have a closet full of clothes, and here I am buying more clothes. And even though it's in the budget, he's thinking, Rachel, why are you? Why do you keep spending money on clothes? You don't need new clothes. And I just and I like walked right out. I was like, babe, I bought four more shirts. They were all less than ten dollars, but I bought them. I just need you to know. And he literally was like. Okay, babe, that's the great. The last thing in his head. Oh, he's like, that's great. And I was like, okay, I kind of feel like you were judging me. And he was like, what? And I was like, <laughs> I'm sorry. But like, I'm aware of that now. Like before I would justify it in my head and not even go there emotionally. But now I'm allowing myself to ask those questions. Does that make sense? Yes. So it was through that whole jerk, like through all of that. And then seeing how you were raised, going back and talking to mom and dad, like it all was coming out. That was the black hole I was in. That's a lot. It came out as a book. Yeah, it ended up being. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Most of us come out of those black holes with like a jail time or <laughs> like a new addiction. Or or like, <laughs> yeah, like liver problems, and you come out with a book. So, way to go. Okay, so um, I want to talk about a couple of the things that you talk about in this book. And obviously, you know the show. Um, for those of you who don't know, Rachel and I, our offices, I mean, our desks are right next to each other. Um, in this show, we go down the rabbit hole on a daily basis, right? Getting into the messiness of people's lives. So we're one of the chief neon red signs over the last year has been this, this pulsing fear, 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 right? And there's been, it started with, we're all going to die. You know, 13 to 20 million of us are going to be dead in the next few months, right? Yeah. You and you and I were on a plane in Manhattan when Broadway shut down. We weren't in a plane. We were in a hotel, John, yeah, thinking yeah, we're yeah. going to shut out of this island and stuck here. Yes. Okay. Do you remember that? One of the moments that one of like the stamp moments of my life was when the pilot turned around and said, they closed the airspace. We can't leave. Oh, that's right. And I remember thinking, oh, this is when the movie starts, right? Like, <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we, me and Ken were walking down, down Broadway when they came out of the theater and said, Broadway's closed until further notice. And I remember oh, us yeah. looking at each other like, whoa. Okay. So, we were there. So... Like that night in the hotel, I remember thinking, I've got to get out of here. Because if they shut the, they were talking about shutting the bridges and tunnels, which obviously they didn't do. But sure. at that time, we had no clues. Mid March, and man, stuff we didn't know. It was right. It was Mid March 2020, yeah. right? And so. In the epicenter of it all. <laughs> right. So there, people are like hoarding toilet paper. You couldn't buy a deep freezer for seven or eight or nine months, right? Now, bullets are essentially currency, right? Um, people are exhausted and scared and running. In this book, you talk about, I wrote them down. Here's some fears you run against. You talk about money, but they're way bigger than that, right? Lack of security, not realizing your dreams, the unknown, external forces, past mistakes, ending up like your parents. Um, What do you, how do you walk people through this idea of dealing with their fears? And you talk to them about money, but they're way bigger than that. Yes. Well, and I would love your take on this, John, because you're a doctor and have some yeah, whatever, but you got a book. Some, uh, yeah, I don't have the letters after my name. Well, Dr. Chip Dodd mm-hmm. is someone that I really talked to for a while on the phone when I was talking about this subject because I love his take on emotions in general. But he, I loved what he said. He said that fear is can't be seen as a gift, that fear is your body's literal response that you are in need of something. Okay. So when you can identify that fear and name it, put truth around it, put safeguards in place— that's what you want. Now, when it goes to paralyzing, you can't make decisions. It goes into anxiety, all of that. Like that's the unhealthy side we don't want. But the good, the good fear of what you could see as a gift is if you are one of the Americans that you know live paycheck to paycheck. Seventy eight percent of them, forty percent of Americans couldn't cover a four hundred dollar emergency in cash. And so, if that was your, if that was your reality in twenty twenty, and you were furloughed or laid off. 
that fear of financial security or insecurity rises in you. And so what you can do is take that fear and say, okay, what is that fear? Because yeah, that's a legitimate fear. If you don't have money in the bank and you lose your job, of course you're going to be freaked out and fearful. Or if you think like, I need to have meat because they're going to close, I'm going to, they're going to close the grocery stores, right? Right, right, right. Like whatever that fear is. So, so in that money specific situation, I want that to be able to be your your red light that says, okay, the way I've been handling my money isn't working. It's not going to work if there's a pandemic. It's not going to work if I'm laid off. It's not going to work if a health crisis comes. Okay, what would work? Having money saved, being out of debt, not owing anyone anything, like putting these principles in place, the how-to of money that we talk about so much. Uh, okay. So letting that fear be somewhat of a, not your only motivator, because I know fear is not a terrible motivator. I've heard that. But at least let it be your signal. I mean, it's literally your body's response that you are in need of something. So what is that need and what can you do around it? So that's kind of what I walk through with these money fears. So help me with mine. So I actually have a few of these. So I have a particular background, like I have a particular family story, and I've been an idiot. I've always had a scheme with how the money's going to work. Dude, I would have been all over this GameStop thing had I been <laughs> 10 years ago. It's so sad. All my schemes would have paid off. Um, and external forces, right? They're all just going to come, and we're going to be trading coffee and bullets and whatever, hides or whatever the thing mm-hmm. is. Help me with mine. How, how would you walk somebody through – how would you take me from these fears? Like, dude, they're coming for us. We're not going to have enough. I'm such an idiot from the things I've done in the past. How would you walk me back from that? Well, I mean, I would, in the book, I talk about each one specifically. So the external forces one, focusing on the things you can control because we can wring our hands. Well, what if the meat runs out? Or what if this person gets elected into office? What if, what if? But those are things that we can't control, right? But there are things we can control in our life. We can control our income when it comes in, what we choose to do with it. We can control our work ethic. We can control the people we hang out with. Like there are elements of our life that we can control. And so that's a big one for that external forces. Because I do, people just watch the news, wring their hands and think we're all going to die. And I'm scared to do anything. And that fear becomes paralyzing. Uh, Okay, well, stop there and say, okay, well, what are the things that we can put in place that we can control and focusing on that? So that would be one. Uh, The parents thing, yeah, I don't want to end up with my parents. I mean, it's a big one. I mean, walking through that, my counselor said this and I loved it. He said, we're not here to bash your parents. Mm -hmm but we're not here to defend them. We're here to tell the truth. Ah, okay. So what's the truth? Like, what is that? And so for you to be able to go back, whoever that is, I mean, I heard stories, people said, you know, I grew up basically what felt like a a dirt floor and had to buy the two-day-old expired bread at the grocery store because we couldn't afford anything. And I never want to be like that. I never want money to be like that for me. I I want more of it, right? Or I talked to one girl and her parents... You know, everything looked great on the outside. It was like the typical family, right? Great house, great cars, dressed great, all of it. And she was like, but we were a mess as a family. She was like, we were all miserable. Gotcha. I didn't, and, she, and so she said to me, she was like, I just want to drive a Honda Civic for the rest of my life. Yeah. Because <laughs> they had all these luxury cars and everything. And I laughed. I'm like, that's so funny. But now that's not the reality for her. She doesn't need to drive a Honda Civic not to end up like her parents. But to say, okay, what were the things? How was it? How was money talked about? How was it? How was it placed? The value system of it. Did it have control over me? Because money's powerful. Yeah, yeah. Mo- well, what do they say? Money, sex, and power are like the three deadliest sins. Like, okay. well, I've heard people say that. And I love that because it's true. But money is one of those. Like, it, right. it takes you to a level if you're not careful. And so, I think being able to identify your family of origin and how money was viewed, how it was handled. Okay. Tell the truth about the situation. And then what things are you going to put in place for that not to happen? And so, being I, I'm in control about of what that. my tomorrow is going to look like, right? 
Say again. I'm in control of what my what my tomorrow will look like, right? To an extent, yeah. but not fully, right? I don't know. You're the psychologist. Well, I'm I'm saying like it's when I don't stop and acknowledge that story, or of of yes. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I thought it was a trick question. No, 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 no. I was trying to pitch you an underhand. I'm so sorry. I took it as if you're for those of you who who don't do interviews for a living. I just do an underhand pitch (laughs) with a giant red bouncy ball, and she just completely swung and missed. She was just like, "Wow, we're playing ball," and she missed. I don't know, John. You take this (laughs) one. No, I'm scared. So speaking of fears, uh, um, but no, but but so. A lot of folks walk through life and don't realize they're replaying a script, right? And so when you recognize it, the second – and you mentioned this, a second habit or a second tendency we have is to go to war with them, right? With our old parents who were trying to figure things out in the 70s or 80s or whenever they were. And that ends up with a lot of bloodshed and not a lot of things are solved, right, by just going to mm-hmm. war. Right, right. Um, or we gloss over it and pretend it didn't happen, and that doesn't help either. But then, yeah, at the end of the day, I get to choose and what tomorrow's going to look like. Right? Yes, that's right. That's right. Um, so, I don't know how vulnerable you feel like being today, but this is the show of vulnerability. So, what did... My greatest money fear? Yeah. Is that like, you're going to ask? Yeah. Not, not so much. It, that's cool. But more, what, did, what mirror work did you have to do to acknowledge it? Um, I would say my... One of my moments, especially during COVID was I woke up, it was probably May-ish, I would say, in the morning, and I just had this moment of like, oh my gosh, are we going to be okay? Like, it was to the point that working from home was happening, and it was the all the meat shortage was happening, all of it. And it was like, and we're thinking, okay, what if our 401ks bottom out, mm-hmm. <laughs> never return? Like, what if Amazon Prime doesn't ship in two days yeah. because they're saying it's three weeks now? And and like, what if, what if, what if? And I had this moment where I realized, wow, I, and I was saying it out loud because I went to bed and I was saying the same thing. I was like, babe, I was telling Winston, like, like what if all this just goes away? Mm-hmm. Like, what do we do? And he laughed the first thing he said, because it's always his answer when I ask that question. He's like, I will landscape yards. Yes. <laughs> We're going to be fine. Yep. It's going to be fine. Uh and number two, he was like, Babe, it's fine. Like, we're good. Like, I was so irrational almost. Uh, okay. And I realized that I had placed a lot of value and security and safety and money hmm. without even realizing it. So, like, it is wise, everything we talk about, right? Being out of debt, not, you know, having an emergency fund, funding retirement, setting yourself up well. But that safety, that spectrum can go to an unhealthy place uh, okay. where it becomes m- so much about that that the moment that foundation possibly is shook like it made me think who am i like am i good like if we lost everything like oh my gosh I okay don't know. so it, take it, me to that it moment is me that, out. Is, okay what does that feel like because i i i have worked so hard for my job my the blessings in my life given via you know my family and my parents and they've worked so hard like all of this and my and my personality can easily it could become everything, and so I have done intentional work to leave everything like this. Okay, like I've see, I've even told <laughs> friends, I'm like, if like crap hits the fan and everything's done with, I don't want you to have to put me in a padded room at Vanderbilt because I literally don't know who I am. Gotcha. Like Excellent. that's my goal in life. Okay. So obviously, I don't want crap to hit the fan at Ramsey. We love Ramsey. Wanted to go on because it's helping a lot of people. But like, I know my I'm a three on the enneagram. I know you think it's voodoo, but I 
can become, I mean, that can easily become my world. So gotcha. I just have to be very aware. So it was that moment where it wasn't necessarily my job that was freaking me out at the moment. It was my money. Your identity. And I, and I never thought my money would be that deep of a security, but in that moment it was. Gotcha. And so it just made me recheck. And it was convicting. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, switching gears. Um, some people. Thanks, Rachel, for spilling your heart out. No, it's, it's awesome. Okay, now we need to change. This is so great. <laughs> Yeah, we're done no with No more of that counseling we're, session. We're done with that. All right. Um, so a lot of it's it's almost been a split. Um, and I, and I hate to bifurcate things this way. I hate to barbell it, right? It's either or. But what I've heard a lot is people are this has been the worst year ever. Compounded and compounded and compounded. And then there's this also quiet whispering which is this has been the best year for me and my family ever, right? Like financially, we just went to work and it's been awesome. Someone got laid off. And so I went and got another job. It's paying me more money. My marriage is better because we had to figure stuff out. My marriage, like the the SEO data here, like people are Googling divorce, divorce, divorce. It's, it's just got a, mm. like a trend line, right? Mm. Some of that falls into this middle ground, which is people have made – decisions they've made mistakes they've screwed stuff up they've done things that violate their set of their core values is the way i would say that and we just beat the crap out of ourselves when we do that when we find ourselves violating our one of our core values we say something we didn't mean and i just wrote some things down right when you text somebody you shouldn't have when you call an old boyfriend we lie about it when we promise ourselves that we are not going to eat sugar anymore or drink anymore or we're going to work out whatever these failures or these violations right in the book, you talk about money mistakes. I don't know a person this year that has not made money mistakes. Like, we've got this set of rules in our house. We've got a budget in our house. We have nothing in our house. And they look back and go, oh, my gosh. Like, what have I done, right? How have you experienced – by the way, you said money mistakes. I'm calling them failures and violations. And you're like, money mistakes. You've got such a positive so spin on it. You're so Just kind. Just a mistake. Yes. Um. How have you experienced these mistakes this year? Uh, personally, you mean? It's more fun if you tell us personally, but yeah, you talk I mean, to I, bajillions of people. Yeah, what was funny, though, is I... So I wrote... <laughs> back to the book, John. Oh, well played. We, <laughs> I wrote the book <laughs> before, my, before my third kid, before Charles came, because I wanted to have a full maternity leave. So the manuscript of the book was not due until March mm-hmm. of 2020. Well, I wrote it... F- and ended it October of 19, okay? okay? So there was like a big chunk of time that that manuscript just sat before it was due. So during COVID, I was editing the book, which was such a different take, right? You're like in this weird world, and it was this pre-world before COVID, and then I'm sitting here in COVID editing the book. And so for me, a lot of my mistakes came, the spending chapter, I talk about why we spend the way we spend, and that was huge for me. I even edited some of that, to put these stories in because I was like, I literally am sitting here during a pandemic buying off Amazon more than I ever have in my life. Right, and I'm yeah. justifying every purchase because of its price. Right. Oh, it's just 15 bucks. It's not a big deal. Yeah. It was just that, that, that because it feels good, right? Yeah. And we know this, like it, there's a dopamine hit that yeah. happens when you spend. And so for me, oh, I was caught in that so much. And not even because I necessarily was stressed. I was more bored at times. It just felt good. It was exciting. It was something exciting going on that there was going to be a package showing up at my front door. 
like, what I'm saying? <laughs> like a friend showing up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm like, <gasps> for me? I get to unpack it. And, it's, and I forgot. I forgot what a, I ordered what that. What a great gift from <gasps> oh my myself. Gosh, I love it. I'm yes. the best. Yeah, yeah. I'm so great. Uh, yeah, so that it was a lot of that kind of stuff. It was like that medicator and because it felt good. So I had similar where I would show up. I'd go to the hardware store for a quick thing, and I'd show up with a, like, Sheila, they've got deep freezers. And I got another one. She's like, we have one, John. And <laughs> I was like, I know, but, you know, just in like case. Because of a scarcity mindset? Yeah. And she would ask, like, so what do you think's going to happen? And what are we going to put in there? And my head's like, well, you know, you know. You just start. It's just nonsense, right? Um, so one of the things I've experienced over the last decade, if you will, is that people – often talk to themselves, not often, all the time, talk to themselves in ways they would never mm. let somebody else mm-hmm. talk to somebody else, right? Yep. It's unbelievable how we abuse ourselves internally. Put us in, in the mind of someone who's, <laughs> unlike this show, has a successful show, just gets sad and writes a book about it, right? Just experiences some things and can crank books out. How do you handle negative self-talk? Like you get these purchases and you're like, I teach people this for a living, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. Like me, I teach people how to be well and how to have good marriages. And then I say something stupid and then I go to bed and I'm like, good job, marriage guy, right? And my (laughs) wife's like, how about you sleep in the yard, right? (laughs) How do you you experience the self-talk and how do you work your way through it? That's a good question. Um, I tend to, sadness I have learned is like the emotion I hate the most. Okay. I don't want to be sad. All right. And I will do things in order not to be sad. Everything's fine. So I probably could sit in those emotions more than I do. But yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, the moment I realized, oh, yeah, this Amazon package or this or that, or like, oh. Uh, or you just catch that one glance and glance in your husband's eye and he's like. Yes. Uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> You're touching these purchases. And yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah. what? Uh, yeah, I mean, I would say the, yeah, the negative self-talk of. Oh, you did it again. Of course you, of course you were. Of course you did. It's almost that. And then, but then I just go to justify it because I don't want to feel that. So I say, well, okay, you go to straight. And then like, I hey, go, good, are you dude. ready for this? Yeah. I go to the budget and I say, well, it's in the budget. And I just can justify it because just because you, what well, Matthew McConaughey said this and I appreciate it. Just because you can, oh, what did he say? It was so good. Just because you're able, is it necessary? Okay. Or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is a big question. Like that's like, oh my, wow, that's it. That's it for me. So we that's can, my but should we? Yeah. Do I need it? No, I don't. I don't need another necklace. That's eight dollars and ninety nine cents from <laughs> probably China. Like I, I saw. A, I don't uh, need that. Um, I saw a great Instagram thing that was like, how does four ninety five plus eight fifty plus seven seventeen at Target equal one hundred thirty seven dollars? Like when you get to the end, they just <laughs> I know. Up. Yes, yes, yes. So. What? How do you teach somebody to recover from that well, shame, that yeah. mistake? That like, what an idiot, dude. Um, that your self-worth, who you are, right? This is like very Brene Brown, but it's true. Like, you are not the mistake. Like, you're, you can make mistakes. So that's not who you are. Right. So it's that level of grace. And I feel like when you, I find people that have a tough time extending grace usually have a tough time extending it to themselves as well. Okay. So it's kind of back to what you're saying. Like the way we treat ourselves, we wouldn't always treat other people like that. Yeah. So that's And then give me the other statement. side, the one that is constantly over gracing themselves. The enabler. It's 
probably what I would call them. Almost when you enable yourself, like when yeah. you're uh, the, the oh, constant justifier, right? The justifier. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. It's in the budget. It's fine. You can afford that. It's just 15 bucks. So give us one question if you're an over justifier. And again, it's, I love this book because it's about your money, but it's so much more than that. So it is, I shouldn't have texted that person. Went into justification, right? Old, like my old boyfriend just reached out. Uh, my wife doesn't need to know about that, or my husband doesn't need to know about that. It's all good, right? Or I wasn't going to eat sugar, but it was just a birthday party. It was just a Christmas thing. I didn't want to be rude to Kelly. She brought us whatever. What I just bought this. I know it was in the budget, but it's fine. What's a, what's a sentence a justifier can ask himself? Um, There's no right or wrong to around, Yeah, specifically around spending money, I think it would be the question of why, simply. Like, why did you do it? Was it to feel good? Okay. Mm. Was it because you're bored? Yeah. Okay. Well, why are you okay not being bored? Because I don't want to sit alone with my thoughts. Yeah, okay, well, why? Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like asking that. Was it you that said it? It's like the four why level. Who was that that talked about that? Ask why four times and you can get to the root. Oh, okay. Okay. Which not, I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So keep digging. Take the credit. I thought I was going to credit you for it. Was that, that you? No, no okay. super wasn't me. I'm way more sophisticated than that, but yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> so, so why, why don't you like sadness? And that sounds silly, but why do you avoid it? Uh, it's the one emotion that makes me uncomfortable. I don't like it. Okay. I don't like people being sad. Um, I don't know, because my counselor would be like, Rachel, we've paid many sessions for you to work on this, and I can't come up you with the answer. You roofed my house, and we talked yeah, about it. I know. It. I paid, you paid for my summer vacation. That's right, right. Your sessions. Uh, I don't know. It, just, it makes me uncomfortable more for the other person, too. Okay. I think I can feel I can put on a level of sadness, but I also don't want to stay there, because there's a level of me that's like, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Uh, okay. And so Move sadness on. falls into an un... un, un um... Necessary emotion. But it doesn't. Thank you, you should, Dr. Chip You should Dodge. write that down it and take that to your though. therapist. Sadness yeah, yeah. allows you to grieve what you really love. Okay. If the healthy part of sadness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But. And so I often find folks who fall into a, what I call the, the peacekeeping trap, want to make sure everybody else is okay. Right? Yes. And I, I want to make sure everybody else isn't sad. It's that. I know that funny. I'm like, you can be mad. You can be angry. We'll have conflict. You can be annoyed. You can have all the emotions. Yeah, yeah. But like, if you're but sad, I'm like, oh. Let me fix that. Please okay. don't be sad. <laughs> oh, like I'm, movies. This is us, the TV show. Why people want to watch a sad show on a Tuesday night or whenever it comes on. I watched like three episodes of it. I was like, no, I'm going to spend an hour of my life watching like this sad thing on TV. Absolutely not. So there's a 100% so chance turn on Creek. that I'm going to have Rachel back on the show. And we're going to talk about all the stuff she does watch. And then we're going to. We're going to analyze that. It's so good. I do love I do love that show, too. Okay, Conspiracy theories. So, so, yes. YouTube videos. By <laughs> oh, my gosh, dude. That I think were credible. <laughs> if <laughs> you were to um, if you were to take a lot of acid and then look at Rachel's YouTube search history, your brain would explode. And I know they're going to edit that out, but I'm just telling you, whoa. Whoa. Rachel's one of the wonderful people that you see every day and they look like they've got their life together and they're so kind and they believe everything on YouTube. And I, my brain can't, <laughs> I can't do the math on it. It doesn't work. All right. Last thing we're talking about. Oh, I was in a deep conspiracy in COVID and, and Winston and Christy Wright, two She's different people. She's still super there, by the way. Were like, 
why does this one guy that has 69 views on YouTube know this stuff, but no one else does? And I'm like, because no one else will report it. Exactly. So great. He's the only one. If there's a dude filming a YouTube video, like from the trunk of his car, on like a, like a, <laughs> at a state park, Rachel's like, this guy knows. <laughs> he super knows. Do you have a bug out bag? Do what? I feel like you would have a bug out bag though. Do you? I just call it common sense. Oh. Like. That's a different level then. Here's the way I live my life. Things are probably going to be okay almost all the time. But they might not be. Like when the grid gets shut down. So just be ready for all those things, right? (laughs) What, What do we do? And it's so awesome is that I buy deep freezers and you buy necklaces. That's what makes us awesome. You would think I would have all this. (laughs) When the grid goes down, I'm going to sparkle. All right. So the last thing here is this, is the tendencies. Okay. (laughs) So you talk about money tendencies, which are our default settings. And um, I kept hearing tendencies as identities or stories we tell ourselves or stories we tell ourselves about ourselves, okay? So I picked a few. Tell us real quick about the saver spender or the free spirit and the nerd. Okay, so these spectrums. There's just a few of them. You've got several tendencies Yeah, in there. for sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the extremes I'll say are unhealthy. And then I want to pick them apart psychologically. And, oh, man, And you okay. can help me with them. we got 10 minutes, Sean. we got 10 minutes. We got it. <laughs> Spender saver. Yeah, I mean, like if I gave you 100 bucks, your knee-jerk reaction is... To spend it or save it. Like okay. that that's an easy one somewhat to to understand. And then again, the extremes are unhealthy. So if you spend everything you make, you're gonna be broke. If you save everything you make, you're a hoarder and probably not very generous. So okay. like it kind of goes on those extremes. Uh free spirit nerd is the that's a classic Ramsey ism. So usually around budgeting or managing money. Are you more of a free spirit? Don't like details? Eh, that's okay, it's not wrong. If you go to the extreme of that, it can get bad because you're not being intentional you're choosing not to budget if that's what you're choosing to do and living off that main emotion the nerd is enjoys the budget they're good with numbers they love excel they love details that's naturally their gifting the extreme side of that is they become legalistic and there's no room for error anything because they just live and die by the budget so when i think of saver or spent versus spender or or when I think of saver versus spender or free spirit versus nerd, it feels like rational versus emotional or strong versus weak. Mm. And you characterize those. Let me put it this way. I have been around relationships. I've, I've walked alongside folks who weaponize either one of those things, right? Yes, yes. Like we would be so much better if he wouldn't fill in the blank or if she would just fill in the blank, right? So... The free spirit sounds so romantic and loving life, and the nerd feels like, you know, funruiner.com. And the, how, how but do in you the ha- financial world, which is funny, is the nerd's more praised. The free spirit, I feel like, is the one that gets, like, the, mm-mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, isn't that funny, though? But, like, yeah, I love that example that you just said, because I'm like, yes. And it could be the opposite. People are like, oh, yeah, I, like, I'm really good at a budget. Like, in my world... People praise those people for yeah, the free spirit. They're like, you're irresponsible. Yeah, you've got, you just ruin everybody's life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. So, how do you, there's often a fine line between identities and excuses, right? This is who I am, right? This is just, I'm this way. Versus, that gives me a pass to, sorry, honey, I'm just the free spirit. Like, I know, but that's a, you spent $500 on supplements. That conversation has never <laughs> happened in my life. Like, um, I'm just a free spirit, hun, and you're the nerd. So, mm-hmm. 
how do you help folks walk back the difference between identity versus that's just an excuse? I mean, I think there's a level of responsibility you have when you're an adult. So, like, you don't <laughs> get to... <laughs> you just straight to, like, um, that's ridiculous. You grow but, like, up. seriously, I'm like, you... But, no, you're right. Yes, like, for the free spirit, like, you have a responsibility. You don't get to just go do whatever you want because you're Rachel part of a Cruz marriage. Rachel Cruz sees Jocko for a therapist, by and, the way. Just like, <laughs> do it. Right? Good job. But, like, you have a level of responsibility as a free spirit. And you also have the level of responsibility as a nerd not to push everyone away in your life and to love people well and give grace. So, like, okay. there's responsibilities on both ends. That we have. So to move to that middle, it's a level of awareness yep. that I can tend to be, you know, one or the other, which, right, neither one, are, neither one is bad, right or wrong. It's not true. So, like, you can be okay and be a free spirit or a nerd. Um, but that healthy medium is that healthy medium because I can be a free spirit but choose to budget because when I budget, we we know where our money's going. We get to go do fun things. We get to go on vacation because we're setting money aside. Like, and that's the balance then, right? For the free spirit for me. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And then okay. pushing the nerd. I don't know nerds. I'm a free spirit. So the nerds out there, their balance <laughs> is just to enjoy. <laughs> just, uh, yes. So I, I, I love this. The language you put in the book is helpful for me. I immediately go to how do people hurt each other with these labels, mm. right? And as I went through it, I kept thinking it was fun because I'm looking at myself like I'm the free spirit and I instantly want to be like, yeah, I'm not a nerd. And as you mentioned, nerds do things like pay their bills and nerds like <laughs> like buy cars with cash and stupid Invest things like that. Invest and make money. And blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. And uh, free spirits enjoy their life, right? Unlike us. So – uh, no, like us, like us. We yes. are, yes, but you we are both fun. need each we other. We are fun. We are not sad. We are fun. <laughs> and nerds aren't funny. There, I, I love. There's a whole other conversation. All right, so the last question, and we got a few minutes left. You mentioned a few times um, that about counseling. What is something you've learned about yourself? Hmm. One of my missions with this show is to norm, like going spelunking into your heart and into your past and then um, finding ways that you can um, change your relationships and change your, your life in a positive way. And sometimes yes. it's little bitty things, sometimes it's big things. Uh, two things. I'm very selfish. Okay. <laughs> My needs and wants, like I like, yes. They're the same? They are, or you're asking? No, I'm saying for a selfish person, <laughs> needs and wants are the exact oh, same yeah. thing. Yes, yes. <laughs> Uh, and in the same talk, back to the sadness thing, I can avoid pain. I will avoid pain. I can avoid tough conversations. If something sad, something that should make someone sad mm -hmm. happens, parenting, marriage, whatever, you fill in the blank, I tend to check out and say, it's going to be fine. It's going to be okay. Uh, and by okay. doing that, creates that, that level of unauthenticity. Okay. Not vulnerability because I don't allow myself to go there in a relationship sometimes. So when you have, over over the years in counseling, you've probably had to practice that. Yes. What Give some language to what it feels like when you do. Um, when I you mean, practice sitting with someone who's just sad. Do I practice sitting with someone who's just sad? No. Like, like yeah. So, in, I mean, engaging my feelings would be to be able to verbalize and communicate exactly what I'm thinking and feeling without filtering. Okay. And I even say that out loud. I'll be like, okay, I don't want to do this because I don't want I don't want pain for you. I don't want pain for me. But I'm choosing to have this conversation because I love you. Mm -hmm. 
and I want a better relationship. And so okay. here are the places you've hurt me. Here's the, you know, the sadness, the fear, the anger that I was feeling, like just being able to lay it out. Okay. And be okay with that because here's the deal too. This took many hundreds of dollars in counseling. <laughs> you can't control what the other person does with that. That's right. And so being able to go into those conversations knowing I can't control you, I can't change you. But for me to be able to tell the truth with what I experienced, is a, that's a huge cleansing step. And, and when you do that, though, you know this, but like you're opening yourself up to be known and that person can choose to reject it. Yeah. And so that's scary. But you do it for the, for the relationships that are worth fighting for because those are exhausting yeah. conversations. So like the people in my life that are worth fighting for, or my family. Which should just be a few people, my right? Mar- yes. Who get like a, vote. a few of my great close friends yep. Me that I probably put the energy in. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you and Sheila. Uh, Rachel never has these conversations <laughs> with me. She's like, oh, oh, hmm. And then she moves on. It's fine, everybody. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, but there's like the hang- yeah the people that you're like, no, I will fight for that relationship. Yeah. So I will go there in places like I don't like to go, but I will in order to be known. So paint me a picture of your physiology while it's happening. What does that feel like? It's weird. I've, I mean, it's been years, so I've okay. practiced it. I'm calm now. Okay. And I've learned, though, my voice, I get bigger with like... When people get insecure, they so either they either turtle or they go big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I go big. My voice will get loud. Even my body posture. I mean, I, I get big, and I'm yeah, like, yeah. I like, oh, uh, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you get, I, you ramp up for no, it. no, no. I watch myself because when that starts to happen, I can feel it go. So then I have to take a few. I like okay, calm, so, calm back down my language, yes. my, my my tone, my speed, yeah, all of it. So that. So for whatever it's worth. Are your shows always like this? Is it like one big counseling session? Your therapist is awesome, and here's why. As soon as somebody can make a connection between their physical response and their emotion, that is the key, right? Mm. Because then I know, oh, wait a minute, they're not making me feel this way. This politician isn't making me feel this way. This is my body responding to the fact I'm scared or that I'm nervous or that I'm sad. And so – what you just did for folks listening, all 14 of them, is give them like, oh, I start octaving up my voice and then I want it, right? And I start – and that may just be a signal that I'm scared or I'm uncomfortable mm-hmm. or that being sad in my family was a no-go and so I don't want to go there. And when I start feeling like we're entering into sad space, then my body's like, whoa, rally the troops, right? And whatever that looks like. Yep. Or I'm the, uh, I'm the opposite. I turtle up and say – Bah. Yeah. And shut off. I get withdrawal. Real- mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Okay. I uh, will. That's a deep enough for today, Rachel. John, um, thank you. I'll. Can I Venmo your accounts you can, for the no. hundred and fifty dollars, whatever your fee is? She um, <laughs> just sent a message into my ear. She's like the spaghetti, John, the spaghetti. So this we got to wrap this this uh, mom spaghetti. She's also a rapper. Um, all right. So we f- we end every song with your favorite lyrics, and I actually have a song. Y'all, again, Rachel works over in the office with us, and she sings this song all the time, always going. Um, but she said, hey, I want to do two, so you do yours, and then I'll, I'll, I have the one I printed off that you're always just singing in the office. Okay, I'm not a music person. So when John was like, you got to bring lyrics, I was like, what? So then I Googled Taylor Swift. Of course and This is did. one of my favorite songs, and I've never actually read the lyrics, I don't think. <laughs> it's such a favorite. <laughs> I don't even know the words. Please, I, I hope they're so revealing and offensive. Here's the one part of the story that I do love. And okay. if I'm in my car, I can just, yes. Is this it? Uh, What's the name of the song? Oh, here we go. Dear John. 
I think well it's played. about John Mayer, which or gives John me a little bit of my Us Weekly vibes. Okay, Because I love Us Weekly and the fact that she wrote a song entitled Dear John Makes It Amazing. Or it could be about me, but whatever. You're an expert at sorry and keeping the lines blurry. Never impressed by me acing your tests. He had tests that she didn't ace. Did you catch that, Sean? It's brilliant. All the girls that you've run dry have tired, lifeless eyes because you burned them out. Here's the best part. But I took your matches before fire could catch me. So don't look now. I'm shining like fireworks over your sad and empty town. I mean, what? Was the fireworks a back in Brilliant. A Katy Perry reference? Oh, yeah. And then... T- I think it was before Katie's time, though. Oh, yeah. I'm trying, guys. Dear John, I, she's talking. I see it all now that you're gone. Don't you think I was too young to be messed with? The girl in the dress cried the whole way home. See, Taylor, she's sad. Look, I gravitated towards a sad <laughs> lyric. Did oh you gosh. hear that? You went right to the sadness. Your therapy's working. Oh, but the best was the matches. And you instead of lighting me on fire, I'm now exploding as a <laughs> So, and as we wrap up today's show, the other song that she sings all the time in the office. There's a perfect song for Rachel Cruz. Um, by the way, as we wrap up, get this book. It's awesome. Um, I'm not even going to give you the 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 title. Well, or, I know it. Or the well, you sing it every single oh, so day, claim, dude. So I can't. Okay, go. Yeah, um, I'm not even going to give you the the author of the song, the the writer, or the performer, um, or the name of the song. I'm just going to read these lyrics as she reads them, as she just. I mean, just lets it go all the time. It goes like this. I hopped off the plane at LAX with a dream in my cardigan. Welcome to the land of fame and excess. Whoa. Am I going to fit in? Jumped in the cab. Here I am for the first time. Looked to my right and I see the Hollywood sign. This is all so crazy. Everybody seems so famous. My tummy's turning and I'm feeling kind of homesick. Too much pressure and I'm nervous. That's when the taxi man turned on the radio and a Jay-Z song was on. (laughs) So I put my hands up. They're playing my song. Her hands are going up right now. The butterflies fly away. I'm nodding my head like, yeah. I'm moving my hips like, yeah. I got my hands up and they're playing my song and I know I'm going to be okay because it's a party in the USA. It's a party in the USA. (laughs) Can I add an asterisk to this? Absolutely. Have you seen the clip of the taxi driver? (laughs) saying the lyrics and it's like it's a girl named Miley she <laughs> took my aux cord and plugged into like the whole thing it's so good ladies and gentlemen I have no idea what she's talking about this has been the Dr. John Deloney show Dr. John Deloney